0: American film directors have had a career as eventful as Walter Hill. One of the definitive directors of movies with tough masculine stories, and known for his sparse direct style, Hill has made several films which have gone on to achieve cult status, including The Driver from 1978, The Warriors from 1979, and Streets of Fire from 1984. All of these were part of Hill's incredible starting run of seven films made as director, starting in 1975. While all of Hill's Magnificent Seven are built on his love of the Western, his affinity for sparse dialogue and his intuitive grasp of action, they are also varied. The settings range from the Old West to a future city somehow still trapped in the 1950s, taking in 1930s Louisiana and contemporary San Francisco along the way. Hill did not often work with the same people, changing up cast and crew frequently, While his films tended to perform well with critics, they had widely variable commercial receptions within a short space of time, for example from the financial failure of Southern Comfort in 1981 to the huge hit that was 48 Hours in 1982. Hill is an unpretentious director who decided early on that he wanted to make accessible genre movies. His ability to take action films seriously, his technical craft and his ability to provoke superb performances with his stars helped to make movies that have stood the test of time. He is also something of an iconoclast who has not always been on good terms with studios. Strikingly, he found the time to co-produce Alien in 1979 and co-write its final shooting script, for which he went uncredited. Had he taken up the chance to direct the project instead of Ridley Scott, he might be more of a household name than a cult figure. Even so, he deserves to be recognised as one of the all-time great directors of American action movies. Born in 1942, Hill became interested in movies at a young age, partly as a result of a sickly childhood. While studying at Michigan State University, he became interested in the writing of Ernest Hemingway, which would profoundly affect his later career. Eventually, he decided to take up screenwriting, specifically as a route towards eventually directing his own scripts. In the early part of his film career, Hill balanced screenwriting with working as an assistant director, learning these crafts simultaneously. Five of his scripts were made into films released between 1972 and 1975, including The Getaway, a mid-career hit for Sam Peckinpah, which starred Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw. In 1973, a meeting with producer Larry Gordon would prove to be the decisive break in Hill's career a deal was struck for Hill to direct one of his own scripts for the first time. This film would be hard times. Now tell me, how do you make money? I knock people down. You mean like a prize fighter? No, they're pick-up fights. The money's made on bets. What does it feel like to knock somebody down? It makes me feel a hell of a lot better than it does him. 1933. America had hit the skids. People were out of work and out of luck. Third refill cost a nickel. Life was as tough as a cheap steak. Suppose well, you've been down the long, hard road. Who Hasn't. It was hard times. I got a husband in jail, no job, and no prospects. I don't look past the next bend in a road. A man had to live by his wits. Well, my man's just starting out. It's good, but I have to get long odds. What kind of odds are you talking about? Five to one. Three to one. D. Or by his fists. Columbia Pictures presents Hard Times. Set in 1930s New Orleans at the suggestion of producer Larry Gordon, Hard Times was released in 1975 and focuses on an itinerant street fighter named Chaney, played in a career-high performance by Charles Bronson. Hill had initially hoped for a younger star, and he and Bronson never worked together again, but the film benefits hugely from his tough, taciturn demeanour. The other main role is played by James Coburn, who portrays a fast-talking boxing promoter named Speed. This pairing of a reserved character with a more talkative one is an approach Hill would return to, most notably with 1982's 48 Hours. Hard Times was made in under 40 days on a budget of just $2.7 million. Later, Hill would credit the director of photography, Philip Lathrop, for being a significant help to him as a first-time director. Lathrop's clear, unfussy approach helped Hill capture the hard-hitting boxing scenes in which Bronson is a formidable physical presence. The film was a financial success, and because it was made on terms favourable to Hill, provided a launchpad for his career. He began preparing a second film to be released in 1978, The Driver. The second film was his first with a script he wrote alone, and his first to eventually become a cult favourite. Set in contemporary Los Angeles, the film stars Ryan O'Neill as a skilled professional getaway driver, and Bruce Dern as a ruthless detective determined to bring him down. French actress Isabella Adjani completes the triangle of main roles. The script is so terse and minimalist, even by Hill's standards, that there are no named characters. The leads are referred to only as the driver. The Detective and The Player, respectively. Hill chose to make a film about a getaway driver at the suggestion of Larry Gordon. The 1970s was the undisputed decade of the car chase, and Hill rose to the challenge. The driving sequences are some of the best ever made, shot primarily at night and with a tremendous sense of speed and danger. Hill had worked as an uncredited assistant director on Bullet in 1968, and this influenced his approach to the car scenes. Unfortunately, the film performed poorly at the box office, to the extent that Ajani stated it ruined her career. At the time, Hill also feared for his own career. Fortunately for him, he had just begun working on the film that would make his name, The Warriors. You're standing right now with nine delegates from a hundred gangs. And there's over a hundred more. That's 20,000 hardcore members, 40,000 counting affiliates, and 20,000 more, not organized, but ready to fight. 60,000 soldiers. Now, there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Even more so than his first two movies, the Warriors drew on Hill's interest in mythic, larger-than-life themes. Written by Hill and David Schaber, the script is loosely based on the 1965 novel by Saul Urich, which itself was based on the Anabasis. The Great Adventure epic by the ancient Greek historian Xenophon. Hill worked wonders with this unlikely basis for a contemporary action movie. In place of ancient soldiers trying to return to the Greek cities, the Warriors focuses on the street gang of the title fighting to get back to Coney Island. Accused of murder, the gang is set upon by legions of gang members from many colorful factions, from the Gramercy Riffs to the Baseball Furies. Set in a mildly fantastical comic book New York City, the film is rich with crisp action and an atmospheric soundtrack by Barry DeVorzon. Upon release in 1979, the film quickly gained a cult reputation, which persists today. Hill had always been influenced by westerns. With his career back on track, he chose to make one of his own for the first time, The Long Riders. They were nine men. They were four families of brothers. They rode together from Missouri to Minnesota, and from Texas to Tennessee. They were the most famous outlaw heroes of the West. They were known as the Long Riders. This is their story, and it's as close to the truth as legends can ever be. Released in 1980, the Long Riders focuses on the notorious James Younger Gang and has an unusual four-act structure. The Northfield Minnesota Raid of 1876 is the climax of the film, but not its ending, which contributes to its unusual pace. The film also features a memorable performance by Pamela Reed as the outlaw Belle Starr, with James Remar as her husband Sam. While it was shown in competition at Cannes, the Long Riders is the least well-known of Hill's early films. Today it is mainly remembered for featuring four sets of real-life acting brothers the Keeches, Quades, Carradines and Guests. Today the film is sometimes thought of as one of the best Westerns of the 1980s a time when the genre had mostly fallen out of fashion. The film was the first of several collaborations between Hill and composer Rai Kuda whose music contributes significantly to the bittersweet atmosphere of the film. They would work together on Hill's next film for 1981, Southern Comfort. In a group of National Guardsmen become lost and steal canoes from a group of local Cajun hunters in the deep bayou. This prompts a harrowing struggle for survival, which propels the plot of Hill's fifth film. Upon release, Southern Comfort was frequently compared with John Borman's 1972 film Deliverance, which also focused on a fight for survival in a remote area of the United States. Inevitably, the film is also thought of as an allegory for the Vietnam War, although Hill has denied this was his intention. Ryukuda's musical score helps to build up an oppressive atmosphere which was experienced for real by the cast and crew, who worked on location in the bayou during a cold winter. Despite, or perhaps because of, the harsh conditions the cast put in superb performances. Powers Booth and Keith Carradine, a veteran of the Long Riders, are particularly good in the film's relentlessly tense final act. Unfortunately for Hill, Southern Comfort was met with indifference by both critics and audiences and failed to make a profit. Once again, just like in 1978, Hill had a new film which would change his fortunes, 48 Hours. You got Lady Kate? Yeah. You know, the generosity of women never ceases to amaze me, you know that? Hey, don't even try this shit, man. I don't work like this, no deal. Listen, we ain't got no deal. I own your ass. Ain't no goddamn way to start a partnership. Now get this. We ain't partners. We ain't brothers and we ain't friends. I'm putting you down and keeping you down until Gans is locked up or dead. And if Gans gets away, you're gonna be sorry you ever met me. I'm already sorry. With 48 hours, Hill delivered by far his most commercially successful film a smash hit which made nearly $80 million on a $30 million budget. Set in contemporary San Francisco, the film stars Nick Nolte as brutal cop Jack Cates and Eddie Murphy as fast-talking convict Reggie Hammond. Together, the pet have just two days to bring down a gang of cop killers with whom Reggie has had past dealings. With this movie, Hill simultaneously helped to popularise the buddy cop genre and subverted it. Cates and Hammond are anything but buddies. They are as likely to kill each other as they are the villains. The extremely funny script was written partly by Roger Spotswood, who had edited Hard Times back in 1975. Once again, the idea for the film came from Larry Gordon, and the story was originally to be Hill's third set in Louisiana, before the San Francisco location was settled upon. The rapport between Nolte and Murphy and the visceral shootouts and chases lift 48 Hours far above standard cop movie fare and resonated with audiences. Due to the profitability of 48 Hours, Hill was given a free hand to make whatever project he wanted. Taking up this opportunity, he began to work on his most ambitious project yet, the retro urban fantasy released in 1984, Streets of Fire. I'll be coming for her. And I'll be coming for you, too. Sure you will. And I'll be waiting. You are about to enter a world unlike any you've ever seen before. Where rock and roll is king. The only law is a loaded gun. Where the beautiful see the show, it's really good. The Bruegel. I want Tom Cody. And the Brave all meet. From now on, it's for real. In Streets of Fire. The final film of Hill's classic early period combines a dizzying mix of influences. Western movies, 1950s culture, the teen films of John Hughes, and Hill's love of rock and roll music were all on Hill's mind at the time. To contain these disparate elements, Streets of Fire uses a unique setting described as another time another place. Somehow both futuristic and trapped in the past at the same time, the film is set in an urban sprawl seemingly divorced from any outside world. Rain falls almost constantly and neon is everywhere. Biker gangs rule the streets and little in the way of authority exists in this rock-and-roll fable. The characters are mythic archetypes like wandering hero Tom Cody played by Michael Paré, the damsel in distress Ellen Aime played by a 19-year-old Diane Lane and the classic villain Raven Shaddock, played with relish by Willem Dafoe. The film is full of classic Hollywood hubris. It was made on a massive, custom-built indoor lot in Chicago, so that night scenes could be shot during the day. It has several musical numbers, including two songs written by Meatloaf collaborator Jim Steinman, whose style perfectly fits the film's vein of teenage rebellion. The film made back barely half of its budget to the box office, possibly due to a lack of action, and a jarring mix of ideas. However, its unique aesthetic, soundtrack, and atmosphere helped to make it yet another of Hill's cult favourites and one of the most visually striking films of the 1980s. The disappointing failure of Streets of Fire led Hill to be much more cautious for his next film. In his words, he simply needed a hit. For this reason, he signed on to direct the merely serviceable Brewster's Millions, a comedy released in 1985, which starred Richard Pryor. While the strongest phase of Hill's career was over, he would go on to make several more films worthy of attention, including Extreme Prejudice in 1987, which reunited him with Nick Nolte, and Red Heat, a Cold War buddy cop actioner starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi, that saw release in 1988. Now more or less retired, Walter Hill can rest easy knowing that he has made some of the most timeless American action movies and made an indelible mark on popular culture. Thanks for listening. For more articles and audio on books, film, video games, board games and music, visit andyjohnson.xyz. To support me, go to patreon.com slash andyjohnson.